RVN. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. An interesting day, a lot of confusion and uncertainty within this market trade. We're going to talk about the whole geopolitical side of it and what this is meaning for our markets all the way across the board, as we definitely saw markets that were not sitting just in one place. There's a lot of concerns when it comes to fertilizer, energy prices. Let's talk a little coffee and cocoa. We don't uh, obviously feed that to the livestock, but we definitely are seeing its effects on the market trade as well. We'll take a look on the on the flip side with the rest of that livestock and the movement happening within our dairy industry and the cattle and hogs as well. Joining us is Sean Hackett. He's with Hackett Financial Advisors. And let's start out, really, you described it best when you said that the markets really are all over the place today. I view it like a cannon on the front of a, of a, of a tanker in heavy seas. They're shooting everywhere they can. Don't know where the where everything is going, um, and, and that's the way the markets are seeming. You know, some someday you wake up and they're worried about the supply constrictions and the prices are going up. Other days they're waking up and saying, "Oh my gosh, it could be demand destruction because of the you know economic issues that could be taking place in Europe. Um, trade flows could be disrupted. You know, that could be bullish or bearish depending on what side you're on. So, absolutely." Some of the most frenetic, disorderly uh, trading I've seen in a long time, uh, Susan. Well, Sean, having said that, I mean, how does one, I mean, like you said, it changes from moment to moment. How does one even try to decide how are you going to market as a, as a grain or a livestock producer when we've got such a volatile world happening right now? Well, when you have a lot of uncertainty like this, the first thing you have to ask yourself is, our current price is very... Are they good for me or are they not good for me? In most cases, prices are, in grains at least, fairly good, right? So this might be a time where you say, look, I'm not really sure which way things are going, but this might be a time I would want to protect. If I'm a producer, I might want to protect some downside price risks um, just in case you know, something happens and we get some free-falling markets because we just don't know exactly the nature of what's going to happen. I, I would definitely be thinking about mitigating risk at this point. Um, but also remember, Susan, geopolitical does not last forever. It will come, it will go, and once there's clarity uh, of exactly the nature of the problem, what is exactly going to happen, and how the chess pieces are going to be played, the market will light itself, and then the fundamental factors that normally drive the markets will reassert themselves. So, 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 you know, whether it was the Iraq war, whether, you know, we've gone through these kinds of unrest or skirmishes before. And, um, so you do want to keep the long-term picture of what really are the underlying driving fundamentals and just make sure you yourself have protected some short-term risks in the marketplace, depending on your situation. Now, that's how I would handle it. So. And you talk about this geopolitical world we're in right now. I mean, every breath is wondering what's happening between Russia and Ukraine. How is that going to affect energy? How is that going to affect us here in the states? And should they cut off some energy markets, for example, to to the Europe? It's gonna it's gonna make for some interesting times. Well, it, it, so so if we run a scenario, let's say they cut off energy to Europe. How does the European economy function? They do not have enough natural gas to get through the end of the winter. They do not have enough stocks 
uh, underground to cover that. If they don't get the energy from Russia, who are they going to get the energy from? What could that mean for their economy? What could what will we do in response? Could that hurt trade flows? Would wheat be cut off? I mean, the Pandora's box of tentacles on this, Susan. You can go on and on and on. It's very complex, but there's a there's going to be a, I guess the, there's going to be a tremendous amount of disruption, um, and 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 that's really the uncertainty that the market's trying to grapple with. I mean, I'm not sure why, but natural gas spot price today is up over a dollar and a half on the, the February contract. Uh, I'm not sure if there's an announcement that came out today or not, but something might be going on with, you know, that just doesn't happen. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's crazy action, and, and that maybe has something to do with what the market maybe think is going to happen with natural gas, and maybe that's going to be parlaying to what happens with fertilizer, and then that's going to play into what's going to happen with planting, and you go on and on and on. It's really a very, very uh, interesting time to be, looking at all these levers that are being pulled right now. So, And again, had, have, having said that, you're really talking about just really your leverage and, and what you're seeing, not knowing what next week or tomorrow is going to bring, especially these fertilizer prices and the concerns that are being brought out about that from producers seeing prices, you know, double, triple, and beyond. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's so, so once again, you know, no one is going to be, look, I would like to think I'm smart enough to figure it all out. I know I'm not, right? Um, and so you have to be honest. No one's smart enough to figure all of this out. So just make sure you look at your farming operation and say, where am I most exposed right now? And just make sure you've got that covered. Whatever, whatever that, that choke point is for you, just make sure you, you do enough of whatever you need to do to mitigate that chokehold risk for your business in case the, the world happens to go against you in that regard. That That is really the most important takeaway I think I can send out there is just make sure you got that covered, whatever that is. And obviously having the conversation too is as we get ready to wrap this first half up is having that conversation with somebody who doesn't have the emotions tied to that product. Absolutely. That's absolutely right. Um, you know, you mentioned in, in your introduction, you know, cocoa and coffee. So, so, so here's the, the the flip side. You know, cocoa and coffee got hit very hard today on concerns that if the European economy goes into a tailspin from Russia cutting off energy and other and potentially food and other things, you know, that the demand for coffee and for cocoa could fall off at least in the short run. Stick around, folks. We do have a lot more coming up. It's- Talk to any of your local Fontenelle Hybrids dealers, and they're going to tell you performance is one of the keys to their success. Here's Chris Ross, a dealer near Plattsmouth, Nebraska. A lot of the guys that I work with, I have sold seed to their fathers and their grandfathers, so it goes back many years. I think when a grower calls me and says that he's getting the best yields that he's ever gotten on a farm, uh, it really is a very rewarding experience. You know, it makes you feel really good about the product. For more, just go to Fontenelle.com. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. We're continuing the conversation with Sean Hackett. He's with Hackett Financial Advisors. And I, I made the comment to Sean, I'm going to tie some stuff together in a bowl, but unfortunately, it isn't going to be a pretty bowl. We talked a little bit about what was happening with cocoa, with coffee. You know, the wheat complex, as you, you and I have talked many times, is one that fluctuates like crazy, especially with all the weather happenings. 
But looking, somebody might say, what do oranges and grapefruit and cocoa and coffee have to do with corn, soybeans, wheat, cattle, and hogs? And it's a lot because they're all part of the agricultural industry. And this weather phenomenon that we're seeing throughout the nation is also is just as crazy as the geopolitical side of it. And you guys are dealing with it right now down in Florida. Yeah, I mean, we're expecting and bracing for an historic frost down here in Florida. Um, you know, we're looking at temperatures, you know, in many places of central northern Florida that could get down as low as 24 degrees, which would break record records you know, some three or five degrees colder than it's ever been for that date. And of course, that's where all the oranges are grown for the orange juice. That's where, you know, grapefruits, tangerines, you know, strawberries, you know, a lot of things are going, you know, the sugar cane that's grown in Florida. Um, so th- there's going to be a lot of uh, issues with how this frost plays out this weekend and the damage that's done and what would be the long-term supply issues. I mean, if you looked at the Orange juice futures market here over the last week, you know, we've seen a substantial rise leading up to this frost because of the worries over that. So, and of course, on top of that, you were dealing with a potential for one to three feet of snow in the northeast, heating oil, you know, taking off because of all the heating demand that may come in there. So, you know, weather's on top of the geopolitical, you know, weather's definitely, you know, kind of off the rails as well here. So... Speaking of uh, going off the rails and what's been happening, I always love to have you talk about the happenings of this dairy industry when we get together and kind of give us your thoughts on where we're sitting right now as we head into the, the second half of this this first quarter. Well, we had a situation with Omicron that a lot of the uh, dairy plants, the cheese plants, had to throttle down, kind of like the packing houses in the beef industry. Um, and that was creating... Uh, less cheese output than was desired. And so we had a big run-up in Class 3 prices over that worry, or over that constricted supply. But, of course, you know, everybody comes back eventually, and it looks like those plants are getting themselves back up and running. And now we're seeing the Class 3 price, you know, drop a couple of dollars from their highs already on on some of those, uh, on on the worry that these plants are going to be back online and and that cheese production is going to really start to kick in and build up some excess cheese supplies. So that's really causing a lot of whipsaw here, uh, Susan, from the Omicron, which is an additional <laughs> an additional uh, variable on top of the geopolitical, on top of the weather you know, that we're having to deal with in all our markets as well. And so that's really been the, the key driver here uh, for dairy has been that whole uh, whipsaw effect from Omicron. And it's also, as you mentioned, we're seeing it on the on the livestock side as well, a lot of absenteeism in those processing plants. Have you heard any concerns about the the retail side of it? Because we've seen a slowdown in some of these plants eventually having an effect at the grocery counters. Well, you know, whenever the Federal Reserve, which is another element, by the way, you know, it starts to raise interest rates. And whenever they start to reduce money supply, you know, it has a slowing effect on the economy. You know, when the stock market starts to gyrate, you know, I think one day we were down a thousand points in the Dow and people's 401ks start to gyrate. People get worried. They get nervous. They start looking at their budget more carefully. And, you know, whether we like it or not, beef is a high priced item for the food budget for most in a given week. And there is a, you know, there is an impact of potentially some lower demand for beef consumption, not only here, but elsewhere 
if these worries or concerns were to continue to build. And so there's a big, strong correlation between stock market destabilization and weaker cow prices. And we've really seen that. We've seen that happen. And that's something that it's a short-term worry for sure. It definitely is. You know, just like in the wheat market, when it went crazy higher, we saw some of that taking place in the hog market as well this last week and a half. No surprise that we've kind of taken a little bit of a break and maybe trying to catch our breath, shall we say? It's not a surprise we're trying to take our breath, but you know, remember, if if people stop consuming beef, they will try to replace that with cheaper pork and chicken, which you know would give them a lower cost structure, allow them to continue to get their meat protein consumption to some extent for a little while. What hurts cattle actually benefits the cheaper meat proteins, but at some point, you know, obviously, if the economy slows down enough, it, it impacts all consumption of meat. But right now, you know, hogs had a nice move. Chinese demand isn't back yet, and until that happens, I think there's going to be a limitation for that market to go high. Good. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you, Sean? Our website is Hackett, H-A-C-K-E-T-T, advisors.com. Lots and lots of information on there to tell your listeners what we do and how we do it to see if we might be of some value to your listeners. All right. Thanks so much, Sean Hackett, joining us today. And that has been the Fontenelle Final Bell. Just a reminder, commodity futures and options involve a substantial risk of loss not suitable to all investors. And that's the Fontenelle Final Bell, brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all the local dealers on the Rural Radio.